Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Are you guys ready to get in the Word today? We are in our Praying with Power series. Go ahead and pop that up there. Hallelujah. All right. Well, for for many of you, uh, you have heard the words, but you might not have a full understanding. Today is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is roughly 50 days. It's 50 days after the Passover, right? So we say this is Pentecost Sunday because we're going to celebrate the Sunday here um, that coincides with the day of Pentecost. Uh, And this, what happened, Jesus is crucified. He is buried, and he raises from the dead on day three. He says, hey, here I am. I'm back. Resurrection day happens. And he appears to many of the disciples in different locations, in different places. One time they're locked in a room, and he just walks through a wall, and he's like, hey, what's up? And they're like, what? Right? Like they're, they're having a moment. And, um, and even Thomas, the doubting Thomas, who wasn't like, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my hands in his in his, I could put my finger in his hands and in his side, and I know it's him. And Thomas has his doubts removed, right? And then he appears to over 500 people at one time. Guys, that's about as good of historical documentation and evidence as you need. When you have 500 eyewitnesses saying that Jesus was there, that's not a mass psychosis. He showed up. He showed up. Um, one of the one of the things that's really cool about this is that um, they were told to wait, and so they went to the upper room, and they're waiting, and they're reading scripture, they're taking communion, breaking bread, and then they're also praying. Right? They're just seeking the Lord. They pick a new disciple. They pick one, a new a new one to replace Judas. Right? They go through all these processes, and they're just seeking the Lord. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Say one accord. In one place. You mean they weren't by themselves in the mountains? Okay, and and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the first time that we have seen the Spirit of God poured out on mankind in any type of substantial way other than He would rest on people in the Old Testament. We would see that the Spirit of God would come upon, came upon Saul, and he ripped all his clothes off and he prophesied right? The Spirit of God came on Elijah and he outrun a chariot, okay? Like the Spirit of God would come upon people in the Old Testament, but now the Spirit of God was within people for the first time ever. And it says, Peter's, so G, okay, let me say this. Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, tells his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued or have received power from on high. Don't do anything until you get the power. What was the power for? And he says, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The purpose of the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, wasn't for feel goods and warm fuzzies. It was for boldness to have a witness. Now, it comes with the feel goods and the warm fuzzies. I don't mind that. I like that. But that's not the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's actually to give us strength and boldness where we would never have it. Most of us aren't outgoing people in a crowd. Extroverts are actually, real extroverts are pretty rare. People who can go into any situation and just meet anybody and talk to anybody. Like, I only know a couple. Most of us will be like, who's going to talk to me? I don't know if I want to talk to him. He looks funny. I'm going to go over here. You know, most of us are having this internal dialogue. No. So the Spirit of God came upon them so that they would just be bold witnesses. They came stumbling out of the room, and everyone's like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and they are drunk. And Peter's like, no, this is not drunk as you suppose. This is the Holy Spirit. 
We are having an encounter, and yes, you are hearing the gospel in all your own languages. So Peter gets up and he begins to preach the first gospel message. He closes it out by saying this, repent, amen. How many, like, come on now, we love repentance. It is not a bad word. Without repent, repentance is an absolute key to life with God. All right, good. I'm glad nobody walked out right then. All right. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the payment, the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. For the first time in all of history, all of mankind could receive the forgiveness of sins without having to make a sacrifice of blood to pay for their sins. That was how God did it in the Old Testament. Jesus died for the sins, failures, mistakes, and shame of all of mankind and sent the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples with boldness to be witnesses. As we celebrate this outpouring of the Holy Spirit today, we're reminded that the Spirit of God is the one who works in us to do things that are not possible in our own power. It's the Spirit of God that there's a reason why peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruits of the Spirit are actually fruits of His work in our lives because most of the time it's not natural. It's just not. And of course, this leads us directly into our message today on the model prayer that Jesus taught, and we're in part five of this series. They're all online. You can look at them all. Uh, you go to the website, click on sermons, click on archive, you know, sermons, and you'll see a, a bar there that has every single one of our series that's online there. You click on praying with power, and you'll see the full playlist of all of the sermons. Okay, so we've tried to make it very convenient for anybody to find the content if you want it. So here we go. We're going to jump in here um, and we're going to read through Matthew 6. There's two passages. There's Matthew uh, 11, 1 through 4, or 1 through 6, and then there's um, Matthew 6. I'm sorry, Luke 11 and Matthew 6, okay? So um, here in Matthew 6, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you guys want to do it together today? Let's do it together. All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So um, this, this uh, verse 12 in Matthew 6 reads this in, in Luke 11. It says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Yeah, oh boy, I heard. See, we see in Scripture that there are a few things involved with forgiveness. Scripture actually like gives three, I think, three main keys that, that forgiveness is tied to or locked into. Um, the, these are uh, what I would call um, maybe keys or exchanges that we make with forgiveness. See, one of the ways that I've always viewed the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is about exchange. I give you my sin, he gives me his glory. That's a good exchange. I give him my failures. He gives me his righteousness. I give him my weakness. He gives me his strength. Come on, this is, this is the kingdom. And so, so one of the things that's really uh, amazing is that I, I'm going to talk about these three um, different exchanges that we have with God concerning forgiveness. Um, and, and there's actually several points, but we'll, we'll focus on these three um, things for today. The first key or exchange that we have is that forgiveness from God is a gift by faith. Forgiveness is a response to faith. He gives forgiveness while we don't deserve it. Amen? 
Amen, right? Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Grace is unearned. It requires belief, faith. So I have to believe in order to receive forgiveness. Ephesians 2, just a little bit um, further down. I recommend reading all of verses 4 through 10. But just for time, I'm only going to read um, 7 through 9. It says, In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Forgiveness from God is a gift by faith. Next, we see that God's forgiveness is a response to repentance. God's forgiveness is a response to repentance. When we repent, God responds with forgiveness. Repentance is, of course, our act. It's the thing that we do when we believe. So if we have faith, the natural fruit of faith is repentance. Repentance says, I'm not going to believe what I believed before, and I'm not going to do what I did before. I'm going to choose your ways. And God, I need you to do that. Repentance is a supernatural act. If you try to do it in your flesh, you keep repenting. Over and over and on. You can't figure out, why am I locked in this thing? It's because you're trying to do it. See, repentance says, God, I'm submitted. I give all of myself to you. And I'm asking that you change my mind, that you come and give me your mind, not mine. Let me see things your way. Let me get your perspective. Let me understand what you're doing so that when I have this choice in front of me again, I will not choose to go that way. Instead, I will go this way. The humble take responsibility for their sin. You can't repent until you take responsibility. Let me be really clear. Until you own your sin, you cannot repent. You're repenting for a ghost of something. It's not real. If, If you can't name your sin, you can't repent from it. See, God... Opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. So the reason why the proud respond when they're confronted with their sin, do you know what the proud does? They blame somebody or something or a situation or they've got some some other reason why it's that way. It's not them because I'm too good for that. No matter how you want to slice it and dice it, it's pride. Now, there's real things that happen, and this is a sermon on forgiveness, okay? There's real things that happen, but we have to take responsibility in repentance if we are going to receive forgiveness from God. Are you with me? Okay, good. Praise God. Do you know it's really good to weep over your sin, to be broken over your failure, And I'm not saying that you keep being broken over it because once he forgives it, you actually have to let him have it. You got to give it to him. That's where we often get stuck in our repentance cycle is that we repent and then we don't actually give it to God and we walk around and and sooner or later we do it again and now we've got to weep and wail and mourn over our sin because we feel like that godly sorrow is going to lead to repentance, which it does, right? 2 Corinthians 7.10 says that godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. What is salvation? The forgiveness of sins, right? Salvation comes through the forgiveness of sins. So we get our sins forgiven through godly sorrow. Don't repeat it over and over and over. At some point, repentance means you stop doing it. Real repentance means you stop doing it. You can regret doing something, but the sorrow of the world produces death. 
Repentance is the changing of thought, perspective, behavior, and will. Listen, we pursue him, and he works in us to change us. Repentance and godly sorrow for sin is where forgiveness is waiting. Repentance and godly sorrow for your sin is where forgiveness waits. Forgiveness is waiting on your repentance. And it's okay to let it impact your emotions, men. It's okay to feel the weight of your garbage. It really is. It's okay to feel it. I know so many of us have been through some pretty horrific personal sin, right? I don't like talking about my pre, my BC, pre, before Jesus days. I don't like talking about it. It's like, it's not good. Let me just say this. Repentance allows us to receive forgiveness. Repentance is the fruit of your faith. If you're unwilling to repent for your sin, it might be because you really don't believe. No matter how much you wish that you did, we've, the rubber's got to hit the road, church. Would you agree? Okay. Now, I love forgiveness because when I'm forgiven and I repent, Man, there's a Holy Spirit encounter. It's amazing when the weight is lifted off of your shoulders and the shame is wiped clean from your life and you're no longer even that same person. You're made new because forgiveness has come and you're wiped clean. Woo! It's good. It is good. The weight and the burden of judgment that was condemning us is removed. And we are now free. We are no longer in bondage to sin. This, of course, you know, I, I wanted to talk about those two keys because the first one is faith and the second is repentance, right? And I love this, this, this prayer, forgive us, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? It's how it says it in Matthew 6. And I just want to say, forgiving others is a response of faith. Just as much as you receiving forgiveness, giving forgiveness is a response of faith because forgiveness is a miracle from God. Forgiveness is a miracle from God. Forgiving others is a faith miracle. Forgiving others is a faith miracle. I'll point to a story in Mark 11. This is the day after the triumphal entry. Jesus is going into Jerusalem and he sees a fig tree. One of my most favorite stories in all of scripture. He sees a fig tree. He's hungry. He wants some fruit. Walks up to it. There's no fruit on it. It's not even the season for it to have fruit, but there's no fruit on it. Jesus says, no one is ever going to eat fruit from you again. I think he was already braiding his whip because he's about to go in the temple. I think he woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning. I think he had a little bit of an attitude, right? He was like, I know what I got to do today. Boys, give me some cords. I'm going to make a whip. They're walking along. I'm hungry. Tree, you don't got no fruit. I curse you. And he was in a mood. He goes and he cleanses the temple temple, right? So when he goes and he cleanses the temple, somehow they come down from that experience. They go to sleep somewhere and they're walking out of the city the next day and they walk by the tree and it was withered from the roots up in a day. Wow. The disciples are like, uh, Jesus, you see that tree? In Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus answers and said to them, this is his response. This is Jesus' response to the withered tree. He says, have faith in God. 
For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, that's pretty, I love blank checks in scripture. This is about as blank check as you get. Right? If you believe, you'll receive. If you believe, you'll receive. Now, God is not going to give you anything contrary to His will. So maybe if you're not receiving, maybe we got to say, okay, Lord, what, what, what's happening with my heart? What am I praying about? What am I praying for? Right? God, I submit my will unto yours to only pray for your will to be done in my life instead of my will to be done in my life, right? Okay, so sometimes we need a, we need a little course correction in our prosukamai lego, right? Prosukamai is the word to declare, and lego is the word to put into order. And in Luke 11, when we see him introduce the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, in Luke 11, he says, when you pray, say, when you prosukamai lego. And here we see that Jesus is saying, hey, anytime you want to prosukamai, believe and it's yours. That's pretty cool. Now, let me just say this. Jesus just goes off the deep end now. Because he's like, yeah, believe it and you'll have it. And he goes, he goes, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Gulp. Jesus declares, first of all, Jesus declares that the same faith that it takes to throw a mountain into the sea is the same faith it takes to forgive. But he makes this head-scratching statement, and it is one of his most powerful commands in all of Scripture at the end of verse 25. He says, forgive him. If you have anything against anyone forgive him. It is not a try to forgive him. It's not a hope to forgive him. It's not maybe someday you'll be able to forgive him. It says forgive him so that. That word that, I just was like, I'm digging the Greek on this. I'm going to find out what does that word that really mean, right? Like what's it really mean? Because if it is what I think it is, I'm in trouble. He says, in order to be forgiven by God, you must forgive. This is Jesus' words. Okay? I'm not reading a commentary. Can I just, like, you guys ready? God, he goes harder. Jesus goes even harder at it. The next verse, he says this. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Yeah, that's what I said. That, that's what Jesus said. We can't wiggle around this one, guys. We can't be like, well, if I use some circular reasoning around grace, I'll come away out of a way. I'll come, I'll come all the way out of it. Doesn't work. Plain as day. In fact, there's more. Jesus talks a lot about this forgiveness being tied bi-directionally in both directions. You receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness actually being interdependent and connected to each other. It's a harsh statement, but it is from an all-loving, all-powerful, merciful, perfect God. And I, I believe Jesus' words over yours and mine, amen? I'll take Jesus at his word every single time, amen? Even when I don't like it. Giving and receiving forgiveness are interdependent. Giving, this is key number three, giving and receiving forgiveness are interdependent. Okay, when you're done writing that down, I want you to take both your hands out like this. 
okay? And you're going to lock your fingers like this. Giving and receiving are interdependent. They're locked together. Two completely different things, but they are locked together. Okay? You don't get to, you don't get to just be like, I'm going to forgive. Or I just want to receive forgiveness, but I won't forgive. No, they're interdependent. So when you go to pray the model prayer and you fold your hands together, remember, remember that, that your giving and receiving forgiveness are interdependent. They are connected with each other. Okay? Jesus is the one who declares this. I want to talk to you real quick about forgiveness because did you know that, that forgiveness is a form of justice to God? Forgiveness is a form of justice for God. Without guilt, either by confession or by a judgment, there cannot be forgiveness. Without guilt, by confession or a judgment, there cannot be forgiveness. You can't forgive something that's not there. Without confession or a judgment, there cannot be forgiveness. <laughs> we need forgiveness because we are guilty. Would you agree with that? So I need forgiveness because I'm guilty. I've been judged. My behaviors judged me before Jesus ever met me. I was judged in my sin before I knew what forgiveness, before I knew what grace was. Without, so yeah, confession, right? What is confession? Confession is the admission of guilt. When you make a confession, you're admitting that you're guilty. We confess to God, we are cleansed, right? We know 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that that's true, right? So, so there's this key to confession and there's this key to receiving forgiveness because if you can't receive forgiveness, you can't give forgiveness, Unless you're willing to admit that you're guilty, you don't get to receive forgiveness. And how in the world do you forgive somebody who admits their guilt? How do you forgive somebody if you're not willing to receive? It's really amazing. It doesn't matter which direction you go, whether it's you giving or receiving. Your ability to receive is tied directly to your ability to give forgiveness. If you have a hard time forgiving people, you might not think you're guilty. If you have a hard time forgiving people, oftentimes it's because we don't believe, we haven't fully received the fullness of forgiveness because we are kind of painting our picture brighter and rosier than it actually is. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. When we struggle with giving forgiveness, it's often because we see our own stains. See, God wants to wipe us clean and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we will come really close to it, but we don't actually go over the threshold of confession. Right? Maybe we just keep it to ourselves. I'll just, me and Jesus. Let me just say that, that, Receiving, again, receiving forgive, uh, forgiveness allows us to forgive those that we have judged. It allows us to forgive those that we have judged who have hurt us or offended us, maybe disappointed us, whatever it is. The cleansing work of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit allows you to forgive others as you have been forgiven. We have to take a proper look and tell the truth about who we are. 
We have to tell the truth about our faults and our failures. We have to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Quit painting yourself as a rosy person when you know what's in your heart. Now, thank God that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and renews us and changes that. Amen? Because without that, I couldn't forgive someone else or receive forgiveness. It all is a miracle by God. You don't get to work harder at cleaning yourself off. It ain't going to work. You don't get to clean yourself up. It is a work of the God. It is a work of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. The directions of forgiveness are, in, are, are interdependent. My ability to receive is my ability to give and vice versa. If I, My ability to give forgiveness matches my ability to receive forgiveness. Jesus had no bones about this in multiple places in Scripture. He makes it very clear that your forgiveness, receiving forgiveness from God was directly tied with your ability to give it. And your ability to give forgiveness directly tied with your ability to receive it. It goes both ways. doesn't matter which direction it is. They're tied together. It's a strategic exchange in the kingdom of God. This is why the prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive. It's not a help me forgive God. As I forgive, you forgive me. And as I receive your forgiveness, I forgive others. Forgiveness is a lifestyle that we live out every single day, no matter what has happened. Why? Why can I say that? There's been, I know some of our stories in this room, and it's crazy, some of the things that have happened to some of us in this room. The trauma is real. And I am not dismissing any of the pain and the hurt that comes with that. It's a miracle. Forgiveness is a miracle from God. It is by faith. So let's talk about how these two are interdependent, right? Uh, Luke 6, 37 and 38 says, Judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This passage is really cool because he's talking about your judgment, your condemnation, your forgiveness, and your generosity. He's, those are the four issues that he says, you judge, careful, because the measure that you use to judge is going to be measured back. The measure that you condemn, that measure is coming back to you. That forgiveness that you give, that measure of forgiveness that you give, that's coming back to you. That generosity that you sow, the way that you give, that's the measure that's coming back to you. We love talking about seed time and harvest and big generosity and reaping a big harvest. How about that in your forgiveness? I sow big forgiveness and I get really big forgiveness. I pour out huge forgiveness and God presses it down, shakes it together so it's running over into my bosom. So I get to receive forgiveness in just a beautiful way. Praying to the Father of all the heavens, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It does something as we pray this. And this will transform your life. Recognize that this prayer, this moment in the model prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it creates a space for forgiveness to flow. This prayer creates a space for forgiveness to flow freely. To flow freely. To flow freely. I'm good. 
So this brings healing, life, and freedom to those who have been bound, yourself and others. So I'm now I'm hoping to blow your mind. Are you guys ready for a mind-blowing moment? Are we, did we already have one? Did we miss the mind-blowing? Okay. All right. So this is, you're gonna, you might have to go back and watch it because sometimes once you're mind-blown, you don't hear anything past that. Okay. So I was hoping to blow your mind at the end of the story, but we'll start now. Okay. We'll, we'll just mark this at whatever the time is and mind blown number two. You know, praying forgiveness and creating this space, it heals you and it brings life to you and it brings freedom to you. But when you forgive someone, you actually are opening up a door for them to receive forgiveness that they could never have received without you opening the door. See, uh, I, Wayne Anderson, a friend of mine, says it this way. Uh, he says, it's sort of like walking into a room that's designated as the venue where forgiveness takes place. doesn't matter who you are, what baggage you have, whether your unfilled expectations, someone else's unfilled expectations, or the Lord's unfulfilled expectations of you or another were in existence before you walked into the room, you walk in the room and they're forgiven. It's creating a space that anybody can walk in. You're creating a space in your prayer that whoever it is can walk into that space and they're forgiven. Every time you say, God, forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. Oh, yeah, I think that person owes me that. They owe me an explanation. That's the one that gets us real stuck. How could they? Why could they? Why would they? Right? These are the things. No, I'm going to create this space that when they walk in that room, no, they're forgiven. When they walk in the room, they're forgiven. They, I'm creating a space where forgiveness flows freely every day. As I pray this prayer every day, I'm creating a space for whoever it is to walk in and just receive forgiveness. Now, what I'm doing is freeing up my own heart, but that's not all I'm doing. I'm actually opening up a way for them to receive forgiveness. Now, this is a biblical concept. Let me tell you why, okay? Okay. Anywhere there is unforgiveness, there are wounds and hurt with unfulfilled obligations and broken expectations that require judgment. We recognize our failures are worthy of judgment, right? Punishment eternally, right? Just the same as the person that hurt us. We must remember humbly what Christ has done for us, he has done for them. What he did for me, he did for them. Did you agree with that? Okay. So Jesus says, he directs us, receive the forgiveness, and, I, and he directs us to declare, or pursue my forgiveness, to declare forgiveness and receive forgiveness. This ecclesia authority to forgive was given in John chapter 20. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus meets with his disciples in the room, and he's having a conversation with them, and he breathes on them, and he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me just read it. Here, I'll take it. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right, John 20. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is before the Spirit of God was poured out on Acts 2. Okay? So, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but then there's a baptism that comes later. Okay? That's, the, that's what the Scripture says, and this is what the apostles did everywhere they went. Great, you're baptized. You know Jesus there in Samaria. You're baptized. Philip's baptizing people. They go up there and they're like, wait, have you received the Holy Spirit? Nope, we haven't. Okay, well, well let's lay hands on you. They've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I love, this really messes with you. 
the Bible says they were, they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hello. And then they prayed for them and they began to speak in tongues and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you could tell that that's one of our distinctives here, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is a, a, a authority that God gave the ecclesia, the church, that you, it's an authority that you have that releases others of their debt or it keeps them bound to it. Let me just say this. Binding people to their sin is the work of the enemy. But you have the authority to retain or loose. To bind or loose, you have authority to forgive or remit sin. What this means is that when you forgive sin, you're setting somebody free. When you forgive the offender, you're giving them the freedom to encounter God without that chain bound to them anymore. You get to take the chain off of somebody that hurts you so they can encounter God. That's why the devil doesn't want you to forgive. He wants you to hold unforgiveness in your heart as long as you can. Because as long as you retain the sins of any, they are retained. See, I knew it was head blown, number two. <sighs> Unforgiveness traps people in bondage, not just you. It traps us and those whom we refuse to forgive. It's not an option. Forgiveness from the ecclesia sets people free. Forgiveness from us, the church, it sets people free. It sets people free. You can't count how many times you hear of couples or, and families in court where somebody did something atrocious and they love Jesus and they come and they forgive the offender. And when they forgive the offender, the offender is broken before and gives their life to Jesus. It happens all the time. All the time. How could they forgive me? It was a miracle. That's how. You want to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles? Forgive the offenders. Now let's bring that home for just a moment. Many of you know of young David Rachels who was on a scooter and was hit at the corner of Highway 95 and Schweitzer Cutoff Road. He was life-flighted to Kootenai then to Sacred Heart because of blood loss and pain. He had multiple broken bones, a collapsed lung. Many of his internal organs were bruised, lacerated. I know Patrick and Jessica Rachels fairly well. I've been friends with them for 17 years now. And uh, I know this young man. He used to be in our kids' church here when we first started, when Mika was the only one doing kids' church back in the day. Because um, that's what good pastors' wives are supposed to do. And when, you, when you're short on people, you know, we started with seven. And we had two teenagers. So I know these people. I know that they, they desperately love Jesus. And they've been through a lot as a family before this happened. Let me just, he's recovering well, by the way. David is recovering well. Two months after the accidents, he started, um, he's, he did hyperbaric treatment, uh, chamber treatments, which actually brought all of the um, um, oxygen-rich plasma into the wounded areas and began healing it very quickly. The Give, Send, Go campaign actually was able to pay for all of that, which is amazing. This is really beautiful. 
So uh, he's uh, two months after the accident. Jessica said her son has progressed to the point where he is walking, playing Minecraft, spending time with friends. He's no longer undergoing outpatient therapy, and the main priority is now to help David gain weight. Two months. This article was written June 1st. Okay, June 1st. Through all of this, he's lost 20 pounds and only gained two and a half back, Jessica Rachel said. The family has received incredible support from the community with multiple local businesses holding fundraisers, raffles, and auctions. Jessica Rachel said it was enough to cover bills, medical expenses, and even pay for the hyperbaric treatments. We are so thankful for the community, she added. Although David has still quite the road ahead of him, Jessica Rachel says she and her family are not angry about the accident. It was an unfortunate event, but we forgive the driver. Jessica Rachel said, Our world is so messy, ugly right now due to COVID, politics, the list goes on. So reading about forgiveness, love, Faith will hopefully inspire someone to be kind and have hope and forgiveness. He is 100% David, Jessica Rachel said. It's just awesome. He has his personality. I, I read that to you because it's easy to forget this, what a witness forgiveness is. There's a reason why God, I think, ties forgiveness to us that we don't have an option. He didn't give us an option when it came to forgiving people. He didn't give us an option because if we are going to be heaven on earth, if we are going to bring the fullness of who God is in our lives to the world around us, He is the God of forgiveness. He is the God who's forgiven me. He's the God that forgave you. In your worst state, he forgave you. Not your best, your worst. And He anticipates us and expects us to do the same for every person around us. The ecclesia, authority that we have, sets people free. Forgiveness allows us to love, serve, have peace, and to give to those who do not deserve it. One of the things that's hardest for many pastors and people in ministry is um, there's often betrayals or what you feel like are betrayals. Let me say that because sometimes they're not, but they feel like it. It's actually the number one thing when you, when you ask pastors, what's the hardest part of the being a pastor or being in ministry? It's betrayal. People who've sworn commitment and said that they love you and they're going to be with you and then you do something they don't like and they're like, see you later, we're out. And it just breaks, it's hard. You don't know who to count on. You don't know. So I've had that happen where, where I've been accused of something or I've had somebody say some things about me and it just cuts to the core and then they leave. Sometimes fine and sometimes not good. It happens. Can't control people. They just do what they're going to do. And you know what? You know what God told me to do in my forgiveness was to sow into their ministries, to sow into their lives. I will find some way to buy them something extravagant and just give it to them. I will find a way to sow. If they, maybe they were in ministry and if they started a new ministry, I'll make sure that they get an envelope full of a lot of cash because I want God to keep my heart pure towards them as I, work, as I forgive because I forgive. Man, it's hard sometimes, I forgive. But God wants us to not hang on to those things. And I know that where my money is, that's where my heart is. And if I can give Him my money, I know I'm giving Him my heart. We have to create ways to let the forgiveness that God has given us flow freely through us. We have to find ways to give it away. What I love about this is that the ecclesia is unlocking the destiny of those who've heard us. As much as it unlocks our own destiny, it's unlocking theirs. The ecclesia now has authority to proclaim freedom and liberty to those who are captive. 
How? Through forgiveness. For those that owe a debt and would never experience the freedom of Christ without the judgment of forgiveness being given to them. Maybe they wouldn't experience Christ without us giving them the judgment of forgiveness. We can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the ecclesia forgives, we set people free from what has bound them to their sin. This is how we change the world around us. We bring the power of God's forgiveness to the world that doesn't deserve it. Guys, this is heaven on earth. It's a place where God's grace, love, peace, and forgiveness flow freely through us. All right. We're going to take some time. We're going to pray. How many of you know we like to activate things here? Like, I'm not a big fan of preaching a word and saying, good luck, see you later. I actually believe that if the Spirit of God is here and He's moving in our hearts and He's speaking to each one of you here today, that this is your day to encounter what God is bringing to you in this moment. Why in the world would we wait till next week? Will you stand with me? First thing I'm going to ask, what do you need forgiven in your life? What are the areas in your life that you've maybe held on to that you need to have forgiven? Just take a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, will you come and search my heart, search my mind? Any areas where I've held on to unforgiveness, where I've held on to bitterness, where I've held on to any of those things, God, forgive me. Those sins that I've never actually told anyone about and that I've never repented of and I've never given it to you. Forgive me, God. Come on, just take your moment right now and receive that. Say, Father, I'm asking for your forgiveness and I believe that you're here to forgive me and receive his forgiveness. We're just going to take some time, just marinate in that place. Lord, what do you need to forgive me of? Thank you, Lord. Forgive us, God. I just, I just sense that some of you had someone come into your mind that you needed to forgive, right? You've had situations where, where you've held on to that. Just ask the Lord for forgiveness for you. Let's deal with you first. Deal with you first. Receive the forgiveness of the Lord. take a moment and I I feel like some of you um, there's a lot of emotion of emotion tied around hurts and wounds that people have have given you over the years Um, even you know trauma and different things that you've gone through again this is not a forced thing it's a supernatural thing So for each of you that are struggling with forgiving somebody, God's told you that you need to forgive and you're struggling with that. Can you just ask God to create a space in your heart right now where forgiveness can flow freely? So Holy Spirit, will you come and just open up a space in our heart where forgiveness can flow freely? Where I can forgive 
that parent or that sibling, where I can forgive that person in high school, where I can forgive that employer, where I can forgive that leader, whoever it is. God, I'm asking that you create a space in my heart right now where forgiveness can flow because I haven't had the capacity and I don't know how, God. So will you come and make a space in me? Create a space in me where forgiveness can flow today. Please, God, we're asking that you would just do a supernatural work in our hearts for forgiveness to flow. our spouse now the best thing that you can do is just do the declaration I forgive and then just put the name there God I forgive them I forgive that person be specific I forgive them by faith I just even I don't even know what to do with it I just say it I forgive them God I forgive them I forgive them Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. thank you Holy Spirit that you're here for each person that you didn't miss anyone here I just want to speak to those of you that have felt as we've been praying like there is just a brick wall in front of you as if the distance between you and God is miles and miles and miles apart I just sense that there's some of you who are feeling that right now and you want to forgive and you want to be forgiven but you feel like there's still this great distance can I I just say that you have to ask yourself do you believe do I believe because the promise in scripture is you, you believe you will receive the disciples came into some places where they didn't have enough faith to get into a, a, a young boy healed. And, and, and he says, God, help our unbelief. So we just ask, God, that you would strengthen each person's faith today, that you would help their unbelief. That they would recognize that you are not far away. You are not far away. You are right here. Father, I thank you. And I praise you that when we believe and we repent and we turn away and we say, God, I don't want to partner with this lie that you're distant. I don't want to partner with this lie that says that I've got to earn favor with you. And I haven't done that. So you mean clearly, God, you're far away because I've made mistakes. God, that's all a lie. Father, I thank you that you are right here and you are cleansing and purifying your people. Father, I pray for anyone that, that in this process is, realizes that they've maybe never fully received your forgiveness. I pray that they would fully encounter that forgiveness and that they would surrender all to you today. That they would surrender all of their life to you. That they would no longer try to be in control of their destiny, but they would fully put it in your hands and make you Lord of their life today. I pray for each of us here that we'd be reminded that our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. And the forgiveness that we've received wasn't cheap. It cost the son his life. And so God, with that, we are forever grateful. 
for the forgiveness that we do receive. Because, God, your forgiveness is so sweet and it is so good, we will not hold unforgiveness towards those around us, no matter what they've done. We will, we will step into supernatural faith to forgive. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. If you need some time to continue to pray, if God's working in your heart, feel free to do that. Um, and um, again, we've got our fishing day on Saturday. So with that, we bless you. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.